Amen. Man, good morning. I heard a couple because we got a couple people like in the room, the band's here, but man, I'm just believing that, you know, we've got you conditioned. If you're at home, you're shouting at your screen, good morning, because you don't want to hear me say it again, because if you don't say it, remember I say it again. So I'm going to say it one time to give you a chance at the screen today. If you're sitting in front of the computer, the TV, uh, and you didn't say it, we, we, we know this today. We can feel it by the spirit of God. You're not saying it with us. So uh, good morning. I believe you got it back this time. So, man, such a great morning to be here. Such a great morning to gather with you guys. So thankful uh, for technology, right? Like, it's amazing that in the, in the, Caleb, I think, said a few minutes ago, in, in the face of a worldwide pandemic, man, the church is still gathering. We're not dead. We're not weak. We're not destroyed. We're not backing away. We're just... Man, we're doing it. And, uh, man, it's amazing that God has blessed us with these things. So we got, I'm looking straight at a tripod and a camera today just to talk to you. So, man, it's amazing today that God's just letting us do this, that we can still meet, that we may be scattered across this planet today, but we are gathered in one name, and that name is Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. I love that. Man, I'm so excited to meet with you guys today. I do want to say before we go any farther, man, I love you guys. I miss you. So weird, like pulling in and there's like no parkers here, right? And it's like you're walking through the hallways and there's no greeters here and it's it's weird. So, man, I miss you guys. I miss seeing you in the hallway. I miss passing you like on the way by the bathroom. I miss donuts. Like we don't have donuts today. I miss that. I miss coffee. Uh, So, man, I just, I love you guys. I miss you. I want you to know that we're praying for you uh, every day through this and and man, some of you, we don't even know you. We're just praying for you. I want you to know that. Uh, and we love you and we're thankful for you guys. So thanks for clicking a button today, joining us. And man, I'm just so excited to get into this word together. Um, so if you've got your word with you, if you hopefully you're sitting wherever you are and you got access to a Bible, just flip that guy open to Matthew chapter five, which is where we're going to be today. And I'm so excited to bring this word. We've been kind of hinting at the past couple weeks, this idea of being light. I think even maybe the series ended up being called Be Light. It really was just like um, what God was speaking. And I just want to kind of push into that a little bit today because I'll just be honest with you. We're living in a dark moment right now. I've talked to some of you guys. I've talked to some of you and you're kind of the camp of like, this is not a big deal. I don't care. And that's awesome. I love you. You're my people. And then some of you guys are like, this is horrible and the world's going to end and this is the apocalypse. And and, and it's, that's okay. Right? Like it's okay to be a little fearful. It's okay to not know. It's it's okay to worry. Like that doesn't make you a bad person. Just, we all have different thoughts and opinions. And, and even maybe today, if the coronavirus COVID-19 doesn't scare you, maybe you got something insurmountable in your life. There's this mountain that's in front of you or this giant that's in front of you and you're just struggling and that's okay. Maybe, maybe you've recently dealt with death or sickness, or maybe there's, there's something going on in your home, your marriage, something with your kids, maybe any, any kind of things, right? Like we, we talked about the other day, like struggle is real. We all struggle. Like there is darkness in this world. God created this world perfect. And then we screwed it up. We got like three whole chapters into the book. We just kind of showed up at the end of the first one and we screwed it up three whole chapters in and and we filled this world with sin and darkness and, and all these things that God didn't intend for us. 
And now we're living with that. We're living with the, the kind of outflow of sin and, and disobedience. And because of that, we have things like sickness and death and natural disasters and, and broken homes and broken marriages. Because of sin, we have abuse. Because of sin, we have heartache and, and disappointment. We have all those things and we struggle with all those things. But there's a reality today that I want us all to come around as the church. And maybe even if you're just listening in today, A, That is not who God is. God created everything perfect. We're the ones who screwed it up. And B today, we're headed toward a perfect place in Jesus. We have a hope today and a future today, and we're headed somewhere today. And and we we can focus on that. But until we get there, God has dropped this unit, this thing, this collection of people together in this world called the church. People who are called out by Jesus' name, who do know what hope is and know what peace is and know what it's like to have a future. Those people who still deal with these things, these sins, these, these natural disasters and these heartaches, like we still deal with that just like everybody else. But even in that today, because of Jesus, we can have peace and hope. The amazing thing today is like Jesus didn't give us those things just for us. He gave us those things to pass out. In this world, and that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks as we have kind of concluded all these messages with, with be light. That God has dropped us here to be light in the world and to the world, that He's dropped us here to attack suffering in this world as we see it. And to be the kingdom of God on this planet, just like it's going to be in heaven. That's what I want to speak about for the next few moments in Matthew chapter 5. So if you got your word, it's Matthew 5. If you don't, I don't know if it's going to be back here. I don't even know if you can see the screen. So if you can, awesome. If you can't, awesome. I have no idea. But we're going to be in Matthew 5 this morning. And we're just going to talk about this idea. Now, Matthew, uh, or the gospel of Matthew is the story, narrative story of Jesus' life as told by the disciple Matthew. And amazing. Like this is... His accounts of what he's seen Jesus say and do, and it goes through kind of early before birth stories of Jesus, which you would have heard firsthand account probably from Mary. And then, and then he would have kind of come through until he jumped in the story. And, and all these things after that, after he jumps in, are just eyewitnesses account, eyewitness accounts of the story of Jesus. And I love that because I think for some of us, we've bought into this story. This book was written hundreds of years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and it has little credibility because it's stories that have been passed down and changed over time. And I just want to say today, that's not true. Like, this is what Matthew saw. He was there for these things. This will hold up in court today. And I love that because we're not asked to be sheep today. We are asked to engage God with our brain. But when we engage God with our brain, I want us to know, like, we have something solid that we're looking at today. Like, Matthew... Uh, chapter 5, eyewitness accounts of what Matthew saw as he sat at the teachings of Jesus, and I love that. Matthew chapter 5 kind of starts off uh, this this section of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. It runs through Matthew chapter 5 all the way through 6 and then all the way to the end of 7. It's the longest uninterrupted recordings of the teachings of Jesus in all the Gospels. It's amazing. It's like three whole chapters of Jesus just sitting there teaching. So you think that I like to teach a really long time, well, so did Jesus. So that's just a spiritual gift he's given me. So if you click out early or whatever to go get a sandwich, you don't have an excuse today. Your refrigerator's in your house and you're there. But, uh, man, this is this is just something that's amazing. Three chapters of uninterrupted teachings of Jesus. And it starts out with the Beatitudes, like the blessed are the blank for they shall inherit the blank. And then kind of moves through, how do we live out and follow this guy, Jesus? It's amazing. 
And it sets inside of, of this context. In 5, it says, when he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he, being Jesus, went up on the mountain. So he sees crowds coming. Every time you see Jesus, there's a lot of people coming to Jesus. Jesus is a pretty interesting guy. People want to hear from Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to watch Jesus do amazing things. Jesus heals people. He says to people who have never walked before, get up and walk. And they're just like, man, that's a great idea. And they do it. He says to people who have never seen before, open your eyes. And they like open their eyes. Like Jesus is an amazing guy. And people want to see that. People want to hear him. They say he's never, nobody's ever taught like Jesus is taught. Like the teachers of the day are saying that. So when Jesus is around, there's always a crowd around. And he sees this crowd coming to him. And he sees that there's a lot of people, more people than he's going to be able to just engage kind of sitting there. And so he goes up this mountain and he sits down to teach. The reason for that is it creates kind of like an amphitheater. The sound's going to carry down the mountain and he's going to make a way for everybody to hear. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is not making a way for one or two people to hear this morning, but for everybody to hear. Because it's hard is that everybody can hear and be engaged. So he goes up this mountain and he sits down and he speaks to these people. And it says, after he had sat down, this is the posture of teaching in this society in this day. He sat down. It says his disciples came to him and then he began to teach them. So here's the scene. Jesus goes up the mountain. There's a large crowd. They come and they gather. And Jesus wants those people to hear, but he's trying to teach a specific group of people today. And that specific group of people are his disciples. Now, why is that important? Because today, Jesus is making a way for everybody to hear. If you know Jesus today, awesome. He wants you to hear. If you don't know Jesus today, awesome. He wants you to hear. But he's teaching about how to follow Jesus today. And the people that need to know how to follow Jesus are people that say they are saved, people who are actually following Jesus. Now, why does that matter? I want you to know today, we don't follow Jesus because um, we want to be saved. We follow Jesus today because we have been. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is there's no way to morally engage God. You can't today be good enough to get to God. You can't clean up your life enough to get to God. You can't do enough like checklists to get to God. You can't follow enough rules to get to God. You may be the most moral person on the planet today, but apart from Jesus, you have no hope for eternity. We follow God because we know him, not to know him. Now, why is that important today? Because I believe that we, we've grown up in a church, and maybe you guys know, of moral people without a heart for God. People that have done the rules, done the things, trying to check the list, but they don't love God. And what God wants from us today is for us to love and believe in him. That today we can, in fact, be saved. There is a way to heaven, but that way to heaven is not morality. That way to heaven is through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, A, we have to admit today that all of us are sinners. We all have issues today. We all are sinners today. I want you to know that. I'm a sinner today. You're a sinner today. It doesn't matter how moral you are. Unless you're God, you're not good. You can never cuss. You can never think a bad thought. You you can never whatever may be possible for you. But if you're not God, you're not good because he's the standard. Church people are not the standard. Preachers are not the standard. Uh, none of us get to be the standard. God is the standard. So unless you're God, you're not good enough to get to God. Jesus says that, right? This guy comes to him. He's like, what do I got to do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, why are you asking me? Uh, you're not God and nobody is good. But what? But God. If you're not God, you're not good. That's the standard today. 
So what do we got to do today? We got to admit that we've screwed it up. We're sinners. We've messed it up, that we're part of the problem in the world. Like my heart is a wicked and evil heart. That's true for all of us. We're born that way. We're born into sin. And we got to admit that. We got to be real with that today. We got to admit that we are sinners. And then we have to believe that Jesus is the son of God and that his sacrifice on the cross was enough for us. That I'm a sinner, but I can have a savior today through Jesus. That he did leave heaven. He did come to earth. He did live a perfect life. He did die on a cross very much for my sins. He did have nails pierce his hands. He did wear a crown of thorns. He did take my sin and my shame and my guilt on himself. And he was killed. And when he was killed, so was my sin and shame and guilt. All that was crushed when Jesus was crushed. That they did put him in a the ground. They did put him in a hole. They did roll a stone in front of it. They did set guards in front of it. And three days later, none of that stuff could keep him in because he rose out of the grave. And because he's alive today, I have hope. So today, the way to Jesus is not morality. It's not be good. It's not follow the rules. It's not come to church. It's not sing the songs. It's not put money in the plate. The way to Jesus is Jesus today. We admit today, I'm a sinner and I need help from heaven. And I believe that Jesus is the way. And if you believe that today and you just call out to God, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've screwed it up. I've messed it up and I need help from heaven. I need you to save me because you are the son of God and nobody can do it. But you, if you just say that today to him, I believe today that he can move in your life. He can talk to you. He can speak to you behind that screen and he can save you and move you toward eternity today. I believe that. So Jesus sits down. He wants everybody to hear that today. Everybody needs a shot today at heaven, but not everybody today is going to listen, and he knows that. So he begins to teach these moral teachings to who? Those who already follow him. This is a message today for the church, and we don't get out of it. And he starts out with these things called the Beatitudes, the blessed are the blank for they shall blank. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, how blessed do you feel if you're poor in spirit, right? You're blessed if you're poor in spirit. And then he like follows it up with this phrase that like flips it. Because I don't want to be poor in spirit. I don't know if you want to be poor in spirit. But Jesus is like, if that's you, you're blessed today. Here's why. Because the kingdom of heaven is yours. He goes on. He's like, blessed are those who mourn. Now, isn't that crazy? I don't feel blessed if I'm mourning, right? Like I've been there before. I've lost people I care about before. Stuff's happened in my life that's made me sad before. Like people that are mourning don't normally feel blessed. And Jesus looks at these people as they sit down. He's like, man, you're blessed. Here's why. You're going to be comforted. He goes on, blessed are the gentle. Now, maybe, maybe that one's okay. Uh, because they will inherit the earth. That seems flipped. Blessed are those who are non-aggressive because they're going to be the champions of the world. right? Like, that seems flipped. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed if you're hungry and thirsty. It doesn't feel blessed qualifies that with righteousness he says because you're going to be filled blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart because they will see god blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of god blessed are those who listen to this crazy statement are persecuted for righteousness because theirs is the kingdom of heaven You're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Now, you listen to that and you're like, I I wouldn't feel blessed if I was some of those things, right? Like, oh, people are talking bad about me. I'm so blessed. People hate me. I'm so blessed. Oh, great. They're trying to throw me in jail. I'm so blessed. Oh, they're trying to kill me. I'm so blessed. Like, this is the reality some of these people are going to. They know that. They've seen it when other groups, other people. 
And Jesus just like flips the script on it. He picks out all these earthly issues, all these struggles, all these problems, all these trials, all these things we're going to go through, we may go through. And he says, you're blessed about all those things. You're blessed. And why he does that is, is he says things like this after all of them. You're blessed when you're persecuted and they say every kind of evil against you. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. that's how they prosecuted the prophets before you. He just flips the script. Now what's Jesus doing in all all these things when he's talking to his followers? He's saying bad stuff is going to happen here. You're going to go through struggles here. You're going to go through trials here. We talked about it in James the other night. If you got a chance to check that out, like we're all going to struggle saved and not saved Jesus people, not Jesus people. We're all going to struggle, but what's he doing? He's calling those people that know Jesus to hope. He's saying that there is something that we are headed towards. There's something beyond, right, this moment. He's calling our attention up, not around. See, it's really easy to struggle when you're staring directly at the problem. It's really easy to feel hopeless when all you're staring at is the problem. It's really easy to feel like your world is falling apart when all you're doing is staring at your world while it's falling apart. And Jesus looks at his people and he's like, okay, I get it. But let's look up for a moment. Let's remember that this life is temporary. This is a tent that we're just passing through this place, but we are going somewhere. We're not just destined to walk on this dirt ball and go in a hole in the ground. We are going somewhere today. We are leaning today towards heaven. All of us that know Jesus today are leaning towards heaven. And if it's tomorrow or the next day or a hundred years from now, we're going to leave this place. But that's not the end of the story for us. The end of the story for us is I'm going to be comforted in the arms of God. I'm going to be standing in the arms in the face of the father. I'm going to see him. I'm going to lock eyes with him and everything's going to be okay and make sense then. That's, that's why people like Paul can write, hey, these momentary light afflictions are nothing when they're compared to what's coming. And that's what Jesus is saying to his followers in this minute. Hey, you know what? I know that you're struggling at home today. But if you know me, you're blessed. I know that it maybe feels like your world is falling apart today. But if you know me, you're blessed. I know you've lost somebody. But if you know me, you're blessed. You can't forget that today. You can mourn, but you can't forget. You can be in sorrow, but you can't forget. You can fear, but you can't forget. You can panic today, but you can't forget. At some point in time, we got to draw our attention up towards heaven and look where our help is coming from. And that's what Jesus is saying to these guys here. Man, you may be struggling today, but if you know God, if you know Jesus, if he's moved in your life, if he has saved your soul for eternity, do not forget today that you are blessed and you have hope and you have a peace and you have future today in Jesus' name. That's what he's saying. It's okay to struggle today, but let's not forget today. And that's the context, what he's about to teach Sits in. If we can't look up today, we're never going to get what Jesus is about to say. We, we know the, these verses, right? Like I could, I could read them. Maybe some of you guys could quote them. If I just start, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Like you are the salt of the earth. You know what follows that, right? We're salt and we're light and we're meant to do something. And we know that. And we believe that. I think most of us, if we know Jesus, we're like, oh, yeah, I believe that. But the problem is if we're so focused on here And our struggles and our problems, instead of focusing on heaven, we will never be salt and light in the world. 
So he says, hey, I need you to look up for a minute. And I just want to say that to you today. If you're struggling, you're worried, you're in sorrow today, you're heartbroken today, Jesus needs you to look up for a minute. We need to look up for a minute. We've got to remember today that we aren't promised tomorrow, but we are promised eternity in Jesus. And we've got to look up. Because if we can't look up in this moment, we can never be this. And if we can never be this, we can never be effective and useful in the kingdom of God to the world. So this is what he writes. You are the salt of the earth. Now that we're looking up, now that our attention is towards heaven, now that we know we're not living for tomorrow, we're living forever. Now that we're looking up, I got a message for you today. You are the salt of the earth. Now, can you imagine, like, we maybe heard this, done a Bible study on this. It's not like a weird phrase to us, but you've never heard this before. Maybe somebody's listening and you've never heard this before. You're like, how do I be salt? That's what the disciples would have been confronted with in this moment. Oh, that's weird. Jesus says weird stuff sometimes. I just want you to know that. We read a story the other night where Jesus looks at people and he's like, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like, that's a weird statement. And when we don't understand what Jesus is saying, we can either leave or we can lean, right? So I'm going to ask you just to lean for a moment with me as we go through this. Like, he looks at these people and he's like, you're salt. You're salt today. If you know Jesus, you're salt today. Now, we know what we are. Now we have to figure out what it means. So what is salt? Like all of us, I love that he picks words that we're all familiar with. Like if he was like, you're all, and picked some thing. I can't think of any. I know like two elements and salt's one of them, but pick something. We didn't know what it was. We couldn't relate to that, but like everybody's used salt before. Everybody knows what salt is or it does. Somebody has some experience with salt and he's, he's looking at us and he's like, you're salt. So what does that mean? Well, salt does things, right? It's useful. I like salt. I'm a, I'm a salter. I kind of get in trouble sometimes at home because I put too much salt on things. Like I like to put salt on things because salt does what? It tastes good, right? Like it makes things taste good. It's a, it's a flavoring agent. You put it on something and it, it brings out the flavor. It makes it more bold. It makes it better. It's different. I'll be honest with you. If you hand me green beans with salt and green beans without salt, I know which one I'm going to pick, right? Because there is a difference. You can taste the difference. Salt is a flavoring agent, but it also brings out the difference, right? It's different. Salt's a flavoring agent. That's one thing. It's different. Salt is something that uh, preserves. I don't know if you've ever been to the store and you've been back in the meat section. You've seen that bagged, like, lumpy-looking thing. That is, that is, in fact, a country ham. If you've ever just sawed some off and tried to eat it, it probably, like, destroy your face because it's just packed with salt. Like, you can just leave it out in the room forever and ever and ever, and for some reason it never goes bad, and I don't get that because it doesn't work with other meat. But it's the salt, right? It preserves that meat. It's a preserving agent. In the Old Testament, salt's always a purifying agent. i would probably been the one that they had the most context with because these are all Jewish men. It's a purifying agent. But salt does things, right? Salt is useful in the correct context. Salt has a purpose, right? Like, you're salt. You have a purpose. You're salt. You're useful in the right context. Now, what is he saying? You are the salt of the earth. In the correct context, with a purpose, the church is what? 
useful in the earth. Now, you could make an argument if you've been around church very long that that's probably not really that true today for us, right? Maybe we're useful in a building. We sing some songs and maybe some of us get encouraged and some of us say prayers and some of us make vows to change our lives. So maybe we do or maybe we don't do that. We're useful in a building, but if the people across the street don't know that we're here, are we salt in the earth, right? Like I heard somebody say one time, salt in the shaker doesn't really do much. A church in a building all the time that only acts like they believe in God in a building and only worships God in a building and only talks about God in a building is just salt in a shaker. And it's not in the correct context. It's not in the correct place, in the position, and therefore it's not useful. It's amazing right now. We're, we're scattered all over the place. Like we could be useful in this moment. If we were ever made for anything, it was this moment. And he looks at the church. He looks at these guys and he's like, you're the salt of the earth. You have a purpose on the earth. You have a place in the earth. There's something for you to do. And I just want us to know that today as the church, there is something for us to do on this earth other than come and sit in a chair and come and sing some songs and come and wear our Jesus t-shirts. There's something for us to do. And that's what God's trying to get across. And that thing is this, we are meant to be different in the world. We're meant to be different in the world. I'm meant to be different in the world. You're meant to be different in the world. A church that looks like the world is not very good to the world is what he's saying. If we look just like everybody else and we think just like everybody else and we talk just like everybody else and we act just like everybody else and we react just like everybody else, we are no good to the world. And he looks at these people, he looks at these guys, and he's like, you are meant to be different in the world. You have purposes, and some of you guys are going to be doing something that purifies, and some of you guys are going to be doing something that preserves, and some of you guys are going to be doing something that flavors the world, brings flavor to the people around you. You're going to do different things in different contexts, but here's the deal. You're going to do something if you're different. You are the salt of the earth, but, listen to this, If the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? Salt can't be salted is what he's saying. If you really know me, if you're really mine, if you've really been called by me, then you've been called to be different. You've been called to live different. I want you to know that. We have been called to live different. We should not look like the people that we work with that don't know Jesus. We should not go the same places or think the same way. We should not talk the same way. We should not react to the same way. We do engage those people and we love those people. And we pray for those people. And we care for those people, but we do have to be different from those people. That's what he's saying. If you're not salty salt, you're not really any good. If you're not a church that acts different, you're not really any good to the world. This is, is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled by men. This is what he says. Now, this is a weird saying, right? You're the salt of the earth. You're meant to be different. You're meant to do things in certain contexts. You're meant to be useful. You have a purpose. But if you're not fulfilling your purpose as, as the church, you're not any good to the world. Now, I think when we hear this, we think of Jesus like sitting on the top of the hill, scolding those guys like it hurts to hear this, right? Like, man, Jesus, that's a little harsh. Like, I'm just trying to be me and live through this quarantine and I'm just trying to get there and do the thing. I'm just I'm just living life, man. I'm just trying to go to work and pay the bills. And they're like, why are you being so harsh, Jesus? Like we hear stuff like that. And we're like, Jesus, why are you scolding us? That's why we don't read things like this and talk about things like this. We want that Jesus loves us and he cares about us and he died for us. And that's all true. But sometimes we need kind of Jesus to just talk a little more sternly to us. And he looks at these guys and he's like, hey, salt that's not salty isn't good for anything. 
And we think he's scolding us, but I think what he's doing is he's calling us into this. Here's, here's the truth. He's calling us into the recognition that it's about somebody other than us. You're the salt of the earth. Now, if we really believe today that Jesus is hope, right? Jesus is life. Jesus is the way to heaven. That there's no other way that if you die without Jesus, you're going to be spending eternity without Jesus in hell. If if you really believe that today, that Jesus is what's best for all people, that everybody needs to know him, that everybody that leaves this place without him is going to stay that way. But there's a way to heaven, and that guy's name is Jesus. If you really believe that, What does the world need today? Jesus. They need to know that. I was walking through the cemetery the other day, and I know this is morbid, and you're going to be like, that guy's crazy, and maybe it is. And I was just thinking, how many of these people today are not in heaven? I've never been to a funeral of somebody who somebody openly said they're not there, but just just think about it. Now think about your friends and your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, people that you know don't know Jesus. One day somebody's going to walk through a cemetery that they're going to be in. And the reality is that they may not be with him then. And at that point in time, it's too late. At that point in time, you can't preach the gospel to the grave. But today we can still do a thing. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to call us to in this. He's like, hey, guys, it's not about preserving your life and living a long time and retiring well and living in Florida. And it's, it's not about any of that. You've been put here for a purpose. You have purpose. I've called you and you have purpose. And the purpose is today you're supposed to be so different in the world. That it brings life, it brings flavor to where you are, it brings flavor. Your life should bring flavor to your home. Your life should bring flavor to your workplace. Your life should bring flavor to the supermarket, right? Like you, you should be the thing that people are drawn to. Your life should be one that preserves those around you. That preaches the gospel in a way that people who are dead become life. Your, your life should be one that purifies those around you. You've been called to be different, and different is not bad. Different is actually what people are looking for today. And he looks at them, and you're like, you're salt. But if you're not willing to be different, you're not doing anybody any good. If you're not willing to live a different way and think a different way and react a different way and be a different way, you're not doing your lost friends any good. You're not doing your lost family any good. You're not doing your lost coworkers any good. Now, that's harsh, but it's true today. And it's a call that the whole church has been called to. It's like, hey, you guys who are going into eternity with me, While you're still here, have a purpose. And it's to lead other people into that eternity. You are the salt of the earth. He goes on. He says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. So now we went from salt to light, right? But again, Jesus is just using something that we all have context in today. We all know what light is. I love it. It's really easy to be light in the lamp store, right? I can be light. I can illuminate the darkness in a church full of lamps. 
right? Like it's easy to worship when you're sitting in a room full of believers that are worshiping. It's easy to talk about God when your friend who knows Jesus engages you in a conversation about God. It's easy to think the right way and act the right way when you're surrounded by those people. But see, there's a difference here, right? Like light has a stark contrast and the stark contrast is what? Darkness. He says, your light in darkness. You are the light of the world. That we've been called to be a stark contrast in the darkness of the world. I'll be honest with you. This is probably uh, in my existence, 33 years now. I know that's old, sorry. In my existence, this is probably for some people one of the darkest times that we've lived through. I hear people say all the time who are older than me, I've never seen anything like this. I've never not been able to go where I want and do what I want and be where I want to be. I was talking to somebody the other day at a restaurant and and he was like, man, I I think it's a big deal. I'm scared. You could see the guy was noticeably worried about it. I'll be honest. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of people, even if it's not you, right? Like there's a lot of people today that are in fear of what's going on around us. Like this is a dark moment. And Jesus looks at these guys and he's like, this is what you were made for. See, the problem is we don't want to be light unless other people are already being light, but we're the most effective in the dark. Light is the most useful in a dark place. You don't believe me? Go outside in like an hour and flip your flashlight camera on on your cell phone. It won't change anything. But go out there tonight. Go shut the door on a room that has no windows and flip it on. That makes a difference. Light is useful in darkness. And these are the moments today that the church was made for. And he looks at those guys and he's like, you're the light of the world. He says a a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. He just goes ahead and flips right from Light to city. Now, there's a reason for this, and the reason is at night, if can, you can imagine like a city up on a hilltop, right? There's nothing in the way. There's no obstruction. There's no trees. There's no mountains. It's not down where you have to get to a certain spot where you can see it. It's just lifted up and elevated above everything else. And in the darkness, man, you're not going to hide that city if you've got lights on. And that's what he's saying to these guys. If you're the light, you can't hide. If you're the light, we can't afford to be hidden today. You're like a city sitting on a hill in the middle of the night. You're a beacon, you're a lighthouse. It's to draw people toward you. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. And it doesn't make sense, right? Why would you light a lamp and then hide the light? Why would God... Send to the church and then sit to the church. A lamp is only useful in the correct place and the correct context. A light, a lamp in the middle of the day doesn't do you any good, but at night on a lampstand, it does what? It lights the whole house. He goes and he says that. He's like, 
No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand to the correct position, the correct place. And when it's in the correct position and place, it gives light for all who are in the house. It gives light to everybody who's around. And why is that? Why is he saying that? Like, why does he use all these examples? Why is he saying you're salt and you're light? Why didn't he just come out and say what he means? And, and the, the reason is it's, it's so deep today. We need to know the stark contrast today. We need to know what he's called us into today. And he uses these examples that we we can see. God has called us to be a light in this world. And in darkness, we have this ability to, to bring hope and light to the people that need it. And he says in 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is what he writes to these guys. That's what he says to these guys. That's what he's saying to us today. In this darkness, in this moment, in the, in the moment where everybody's freaking out and everybody's scared and everybody's going crazy and everybody feels like the world's falling apart. This is the moment that we were made for as the church. This is what we're here for. We're not here for the times when everything's going okay and nobody's freaking out. We're here for these moments to be light in the world in these moments. And he's like, here's, here's the goal today. You're salt in the proper context. You're so useful. Your light today, in the proper context, in the correct position, you're so useful. And isn't it crazy that in the middle of this, God has given us this correct placement where we can actually be useful. It's in the dark that people need light. I'll be honest, there's been darkness all around us for Eternity, and maybe we just haven't noticed, but this moment is too big to go unnoticed. There are people today that need hope. Would you agree? There are people today that need to know there is a future. Like we're not, we're not done yet. There, there's something coming for you. You're not done yet. God's not done with you yet. There's something coming. There's people that need to know that. There's people today that need to know there's a God who is for you, not against you. There's people today that need to know a peace that surpasses all understanding. There's people around us today who need all of these things. And the amazing thing is we have found all these things. So today, if you have hope in Jesus, he's saying, be light. Today, if you have peace that surpasses all understanding, he's saying, be light. If you know there's a future that God's done something for us and he's calling us somewhere, be light today. We've been made for moments like these. And what we can't afford to do in this moment is to go and hide in a basket. What we can't afford to do in these moments when everybody's freaking out is be like, I don't know what God's doing. And shut down. What we can't do in these moments is react the same way everybody else is reacting. It's okay to be afraid, but you can't forget. 
It's okay to be worried, but you can't forget. You can't respond with doom and gloom. Everything's over. This is the end for us. There's got to be hope at the end of the sentence. This is bad, but I know God's doing something. This is bad, but I know God's leading us somewhere. This is bad, but I know God is making a way for something amazing in these days. I realize this is bad. Life is bad. There are struggles. Some of you know that more than others. You've dealt with death and you've dealt with divorce and you've dealt with the heartache and you've dealt with all those things. And I get that. And you get that. Some of you have dealt with abuse and you know that and you get that. But even in all those things, we got to remember we have hope today and a future today because Jesus. And we got to look up and we got to look past all this. And we got to be like, you know what? I may be living in darkness today, but I'm blessed because that's not the end of the story. I may be dealing with stuff at home today, but I'm blessed because that's not the end of the story. I may be lonely in this moment, in this room today, but I'm blessed because that's not the end of the story. I may be hungry today, but I'm blessed because that's not the end of the story. I may be sick today, but I'm blessed because that's not the end of the story. I may be struggling with death and depression and anxiety today, but I'm okay because that's not the end of the story. We got to look up towards heaven. We gotta look up toward a future, up toward a hope, but then we gotta shine that light to the people around us. In Jesus' name. We gotta be something different today. In Jesus' name. We, we gotta, we gotta remember today that there's more to the story than what we're seeing in the headlines today. In Jesus' name. There's more going on eternally than what we're seeing on the news. In Jesus' name. And we got to shine that light today as bright as we can in darkness. We were made for moments like these. Now, what I'm not saying today is be foolish. Some of you guys are hearing this and you're like, he's about to tell us to come out of quarantine. I'm not saying that. You do you. But even in quarantine, can't you be light? We got technology today. We're beaming this room to your living room. You can beam your voice across the street. But in this moment, we can't, we can, we can follow the six foot rule, but we can't hide in a basket. So I'm just saying to you today, like we got to be light in these moments. We got to be light in these days. We got to be light in our community to our neighbors to our family, to our friends. We, we got to show today that there's something worth believing in, even when it doesn't make sense. See, we have this choice today when we look at what's in front of us and we don't understand. We can either leave Jesus or we can lean into him. And in these moments, what we got to do is we got to say, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've never seen anything like this before. You can't even find toilet paper today, guys. But I know that God has a plan. And I know that God's working and I know God's moving and I know he's doing a thing in this moment. I know he's bringing people to himself in this moment. I know he's changing worlds in this moment. I know he's changing me in this moment. And I want you to know in death and in darkness and fear and in doubt, there is a God who is greater today. There's a God who's defeated the grave today. There's a God who heals sicknesses today. There's a God who's working in power in these moments. How do you know that? Because on Friday he was put on a cross and on Sunday he came out of a grave. Saturday was a dark day. Maybe we're living in Saturday. But I believe, I believe God for better days. 
So whatever that looks like for you, I just want to encourage you this week. Maybe call somebody. I heard a story last week. Somebody texted me like maybe an hour after the message. And they're like, I just called somebody. And man, it was crazy to see what God did. Somebody they hadn't talked to in years. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good? Maybe you need to take a loaf of bread to somebody today and say, it's going to be okay. There's bread at Food City. God's got this. Maybe you need to send a card today. Maybe you need to send an email today. Maybe they need to hear your voice today. Maybe if you're comfortable with it, you just drive over to their house, park six foot away from the porch and talk out the window. I don't know what it looks like today, but we as the people of God today have to react different to this thing and think different than this thing because we have an eternity and a hope and a future. And we got to lean into God in these days and be light to the world in these days. So I just want to encourage you as we leave this place, you got to be light. We were made for days like this. I love you guys. I'm going to pray for you.